What's up, church planners, pastors, and disciple makers? My name is Jared Huntley, coming to you from Washington, D.C., and I'm with my good friend Logan Douglas, who's coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland. You are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by ordinary church planters that exists to encourage and equip other church planters and pastors to make disciples in hard places. Logan, what's up, man? Not too much, Jared. Um, just, you know, enjoying another day here on this volcanic rock in the middle of the North Atlantic. Um, what's up with you? Man, not a lot. We got. I mean, well, I guess that's not true. That's just something that people say whenever they don't know what to say. So there's actually a lot going on in my life right now. Uh, I was about to say, I, I, I'm fairly certain your to-do list is not just like a single item or no. two. No, it's not. There's quite a quite a few things going on. I mean, like we're renovating our basement and we've... You know, we've got like an elders retreat coming up and just moving into a new facility uh, with our church. Uh, lots of good things, exciting things, fun things, um, but definitely been pretty busy. So, yeah, uh, yeah church is growing. Yep. Yep. Church is growing. It's doing well. We're excited about it. It's a fun, it's kind of one of those like really fun, sweet seasons of ministry. Like, I think we all go through seasons of ministry and I've had hard, hard seasons of ministry where it's been like, just, you know, felt extremely discouraged and questioned my calling and like, do I even want to keep doing this anymore? God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? And, but, um, thankfully right now I'm in a season where I'm just kind of like, man, I'm just enjoying the ride and just kind of being amazed at, what God's doing around me and being like, wow, like this is pretty cool that I get to do this and be a part of this. And, uh, just seeing a lot of answered prayer, uh, mm-hmm. which has been good. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been cool. Cause 2020 has been uh, a ride. It's been rough in a lot of ways. Oh really? 2020 has been kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, weird, I don't know if you've heard, time for you? I don't know That's if you've odd. heard, but there's a few, I mean, few major events that have happened. It's been kind of hectic. So, I mean, you're over on a volcanic rock, so you probably don't know what's going on around the world, but I'm, you know, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's one of these, so being a missionary church planner, in a small country like Iceland. So so for those of you who do not know, Iceland has a population of around 360,000 people. That's literally 360,000 people for the whole country, um, which is less of uh, a population size than some counties <laughs> in Northern Virginia and in other places. Um, and... Because we're very isolated, and so we've got this gigantic island to kind of spread out on, um, except for the center, there's a lot of glaciers and volcanic fields, volcanic-like rock fields in the middle. Everyone's pretty much on the perimeter. Um, COVID really didn't have as much of an effect here in regards to death toll and the number of people who got it. I mean, we... to. To my knowledge, I think only 10 people have died in this country wow. because of COVID. Um, and so there there were precautions. Uh, the Icelandic government, I believe, did a really good job in responding and in enforcing some social distancing protocols and things like that. But, I mean, I was having video chats with some partner church pastors and church planters uh, in the U.S. during times when we didn't have to have masks when there were no social distancing uh, requirements and talking to, you know, guys who were in places to where you had to wear a mask to go outside and, uh, you know, restaurants and coffee shops were closed. And so we we have been spared uh, a lot of, I think, the really the I mean, the tragic effects mm-hmm. of covid um, and so there have been just days and weeks where I walk around going COVID, COVID. I know that's a thing. Wasn't <laughs> is that still a thing? Because we just, I mean, Iceland's unique, man. Uh, yep. It's it's kind of um, 
it was kind of the place to be. If yeah. if you were going to be somewhere, Iceland was the place to be, uh, which is making me think that this is the place you want to be if a zombie apocalypse ever happens. So oh. just throwing that out there. If you have a zombie apocalypse plan, you should probably put Iceland as like your destination. All right. That's good to know. That is definitely helpful to know. Yeah, it, it does help to be kind of in an area where you're spread out and, you know, you're not living on top of each other. Uh, and I think Iceland too is like more of a laid back, you know, culture and, you know, people aren't go, go, go all the time. And so, oh yeah, the, the national motto, this isn't like an official national motto, but the national motto, the unofficial national motto is Theta Retast, which means it will work out. Theta Retast. So it's basically like Hakuna Matata. Yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) I mean, that sounds like a really laid back motto to me. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of Iceland and international places, uh, we're going to be talking about planting churches internationally today um, because you are in the process of planting a church internationally. And I also have actually planted a church internationally before uh, in Canada. So not across the ocean, but um, still very much a different culture than the Mm -hmm. U.S. and very much international. Um, I would uh, I would describe Canada as much more similar to Europe than the U.S. So, uh, yeah, it, Canada has a lot more in common with Britain, I would say, than it does with America uh, or with the rest Is of. Is it U- still technically a British territory? No, okay. no, no, no. They're their as own you can tell. Sovereign. I don't know much Canadian history. So I was just checking. I, they're their own sovereign nation, but it is kind of weird because, like, I don't know exactly. There's almost like a still a ceremonial tie between the Queen of England, like she has a ceremonial kind of position, uh, and so she's got I forget what the position's called now. My Canadian friends who are listening are going to be like laughing at me when they yeah, listen if to this episode. In Canada, please do not be offended by our yeah. ignorance. Of no, Canadian I'm very culture and history. I can't remember. Uh, there's a there's but there's an actual government position uh, in Canada where it's basically like the almost kind of like an ambassador or a an emissary of queen of england but it's more of like a ceremonial almost post it's not something that holds any real like uh, actual authority to my knowledge um so yeah canada governs themselves or a sovereign nation but having said that they are heavily influenced by you know british culture because they were you know british colony outside of quebec which was a french colony and so you know they've got a lot of european influence uh, in canada and uh, Canada is also super diverse, especially Toronto, like Toronto, over 50% of the people, uh, that live there were born outside of Canada, which is a crazy stat when you actually think about it. Like I think about that, like more than half the people aren't even Canadian that live in Toronto. Like that's wild. Um, and so you've got people from all over the world that come there. And so, yeah, it's very different. It's they do not think like Americans at all. They think much more like Europeans. Um, and so that was a huge adjustment for sure. So we're going to talk about just what it's like planting churches internationally and maybe get into a little bit of some of the biggest differences. And and maybe, uh, you know, for those of you who have considered whether or not God may be calling you to be a missionary overseas or to plant a church. We'll talk a little bit about how do you know and how do you um, go about, you know, making a decision like that. So, Logan, um, I guess start with this, man. Why did you plant a church internationally? Why not just stay in America and plant a church in the States in a context that you're familiar with? Hmm. Well, it's a good question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well done on the question. So why plant internationally and not plant locally? I think for me, the moment that I fully felt like God was calling me to move to Iceland to plant a church, uh the, you know, it wasn't like an audible conversation with God. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't a super supernatural kind of moment. But I, I just remember calling my wife from Iceland. So here, here's kind of the a snapshot 
I've been fascinated with Iceland since seeing Mighty Ducks 2. Um, back when I was like 12 years old. God can use and, anything. Huh? God can use anything in, I our, know, in our call. Emilio Estevez and Joshua Jackson and Mighty Ducks 2, uh, which is funny because uh, ice hockey is just not at all popular in this country. Um, but uh, so I, Iceland had always been this like fantasy destination to go to. And then I got big into CrossFit in 2012 And I was amazed that this small country kept producing these elite level female CrossFit athletes and a few male athletes, but it was kind of like the female Icelandic athletes dominated. Um, And then I became a Christian in 2013 and kind of just dreamt that, you know, not uh, I or daydreamed or just desired, like I kind of want to go to Iceland um, and pastor. But as I, Became more familiar with things um, that were available to people um, in the U.S., specifically in the southern within the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, but also with other organizations. So, I mean, you, as I became aware of North American Mission Board and the Send City. Uh, and Sin Network in the Sin Cities, uh, and became familiar with Acts 29 and um, other networks like that, uh, I became aware that there were a lot of people who had a similar passion for church planting and believed, as I did, that that is the work of churches, is multiplication, that that is what the disciples of Jesus Christ took him to mean from Matthew 28, when he gave the Great Commission into Acts, when they went and planted churches, that, that that was the natural end of answering the Great Commission was was planting healthy expressions of the kingdom of God in places. Um, and so I, 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 okay, there are resources available. There are people who want to do this. Um, but when I got connected to Iceland, there were and there are n- nowhere near the resources or emphasis. Uh, So as I became familiar with Iceland and uh, basically it is an unreached people group Mm -hmm. um, and... How unreached? Less than 2%. Um, it depends on who you ask. Uh, there's not really, you know, again, even this, there, there, there's not like an Icelandic missiologist. Right. And uh, according to. Well, sounds Project, like sounds like a role somebody could fill. I know. Uh, I know. And I'm uh, Lord willing. Uh, I, I plan to better map out what's going on in Iceland. Awesome. But uh, I mean, I've talked to pastors of uh, Pentecostal Church here in um, Reykjavik. And they believe it's, you know, between one and two percent. Some people would say it's around four, three to four percent. Joshua Project and I think Project World both listed under four percent. But I mean, I if you were to look at faithful church attendance in evangelical churches, I would be willing to say it's it's at or less than one percent reached um, an evangelical with the gospel. Um, And. Prior to me uh, moving here and prior to me getting involved in what's called the Iceland Project, um, I just didn't believe there were any resources at all that were aimed at planting churches in Iceland. So in 2017, September of 2017, I remember calling my wife from Iceland crying, just saying, I, you know, there's no one that I know of that is wanting to move to this country for the sole purpose to see churches planted, mm. to plant a church that desires to plant churches. The only person I knew of was this Icelandic pastor who was pretty much just screaming into the void of, of the need of church planters and the need of uh missionaries and evangelists and church leaders and discipleship and all of these things, but really he was the only guy. And as I part as you know, our church that I was at in Mississippi partnered with him and I came over um, once in December 2016 and then again at the end of August and beginning of September of 2017, I just was burdened with this 
kind of call. And I remember, I remember the conversation with my wife, Carla, was something to the effect of, you know, anyone could do the job that I'm doing in the military. You know, that's the whole purpose of the military. There's always guys waiting to get promoted into your slot. And so I was like, anyone could do that. Um, and our young adult ministry, that was young adult pastor over, had grown exponentially. And I had a college pastor under me. I had a deacon dedicated to the ministry. I had two interns. I had a leadership team. I mean, I basically developed a structure to where I worked myself out of a job. And I was like, you know, anyone could do this. No one that I know of is, is trying to get to Iceland to plant a church and to be a part of church planting. And so, yeah, that that was the, the burden I had was I want to give myself fully to this work. Praise God, man. I was just, even as you were just talking, it's so neat, you know, f- just kind of listening to you and hearing your heart back in 2017, how God really burdened you and, and really broke your heart to, you know, when you kind of just saw like nobody's really talking about moving here to, you know, to help plant churches and reach Icelanders. Nobody's reaching them. And then just thinking about even some of the stories uh, we were talking about earlier before the episode about, uh, you know, some of the, uh, some of the Icelanders now that you've got coming to your home and that you're sharing the gospel with and they're you're in relationship with and to see, you know, three years later to see that come to fruition, to see this burden of your heart, to see God answer those prayers. And now Icelanders are hearing the gospel that would not have heard the gospel had you not said, here I am, send me, had you not, you know, uh, heard and responded to God's call and been willing to go. And it just, you know, so, so awesome. And for you know, our listeners that aren't aware, our church plant, Pillar Church of Washington, D.C., we support Logan and his wife, Carla, and Redeemer City Reykjavik, the church that they're planting. And because uh, we believe it's important work uh, and there are, there are not uh, very many churches at all in Iceland. And really, you know, like Logan was saying, he's kind of uh, the first of his kind in a lot of ways of, uh, of Americans who've kind of moved and planted their lives to specifically, you know, like in Iceland to plant a church, uh, a, a, a Southern Baptist church, at least in Iceland. And so, uh, you guys, so correct me if I'm wrong, but your church plant would be the second, uh, Baptist church in the country. Technically it will be the third currently in existence, but the fourth historically, and maybe the fifth, depending on how you think about it. So I'll give you a quick Baptist history of Iceland. Um, There is a Baptist church in Keplavik, which is the city where the airport is and where the former U.S. military base was. Um, And so that was a church that was originally planted that was ministering to the American soldiers and their families. But then it... uh, merged or transformed into now what is called the First Baptist Church of Keflavik. And I think they actually call themselves the First Baptist Church of Iceland. And, you know, it's not a Southern Baptist church. It is a Baptist church, but it's a King James Version only Baptist church. And so that, um, you know, there's a difference in, uh, there's a significant difference in uh, some things that mm-hmm. um, would kind of not lend themselves to us partnering with them or more, more specifically, them not partnering with us. Mm-hmm. But there was a Baptist church called Emmanuel Baptist Church uh, that was planted that then merged with Lofstefen Baptist Kirka, um, which is still in existence. Uh, and so ours will join with two other Baptist churches, um, but we will be really a sister church with Lofstefen Baptist Akirka. Mm. Um, and so Iceland is, you know, main, there's a lot of void in mainline uh, evangelical Protestant denominations. There are, to my knowledge, are no Methodists in the country. There are no Presbyterians in the country. Um, there are less than 10 um Pentecostal churches that are associated with the Assemblies of God. Uh, I think there are only nine of those. Two of them don't have pastors. And there are, um, I think there's a Mormon church here. There's a Jehovah's Witness group. There's a Catholic church. But primarily the country is dominated by the National Lutheran Church. Um, 
And so that's one of the, re- I mean, so again, me, you know, kind of the haha, me being the missiologist in Iceland, <laughs> and almost like a Christian historian, there's just not a lot of re, uh, data and research that's been done yep. on that. And so I'm, I'm to the best of my ability, I'm trying to map out the landscape of um, evangelical Christian churches, evangelical Protestant churches, uh, and build relationships with other pastors um, to be able to, you know, prayerfully support and and to partner with them where we can. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, one of three existing Baptist churches in the country when we plant. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the the point is is that, you know, the type of work that you're doing is, in a real sense, pioneering type of work. There's a lot of groundwork that still needs to be laid and a lot of work still to be done in the days ahead. But it is exciting to see what God has begun to do through the Iceland Project, which is the uh we'll probably at the end of the episode actually set aside a little bit of time just to talk a little bit about the iceland project and how uh, our listeners could learn more about it and get involved and uh, maybe if you are sensing that you might want to check out the possibility of moving to iceland and because the iceland needs more laborers in the harvest right now and so we want to encourage you if that is at all on your heart to prayerfully consider doing that and to to team up with uh, Logan and, and Gunnar, uh, who is the pastor of Losafon there, uh, the other um, Southern Baptist Church uh, in Iceland. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about Logan about some of the biggest differences in doing ministry internationally as opposed to the U.S. Um, I know that you know, a couple off the top of my head for me, as I think back on our time in Canada was there are a lot of little added frustrations and hardships that you don't really think about. Um, just things like figuring out taxes, uh, you know, like in a new country and you have to file taxes in two countries. Uh, you've got immigration issues. So, uh, I'm not, I don't know if you know this, but when we moved to Canada, we uh, put all of our everything that we owned in a big U-Haul truck and we towed our car behind us and we left Texas um, and we well, we left everything behind. And so everything we owned was in a U-Haul truck. We had our paperwork together. We thought we were set. We are all excited. We get to the border in uh, Buffalo, New York, and we get turned away at the border. They would not let us in, would not let, issue us a visa. Um, they skeptical they said uh, you know we don't believe they basically said we don't believe that you're here to do what you say you're here to do uh, they were like your employers lying to you and all this stuff because we were trying to get in with a you know with a clergy visa and so we ended up getting stuck in Buffalo with all of our stuff in a moving truck for a week. Uh, and we had to hire a lawyer, an immigration lawyer in Canada to like comb through all of our files and to make sure our paperwork got was buttoned up and right because, you know, legally we had everything we needed. But, um, you know, the the Border Patrol just... I just thought you looked real shady. No, they were, it wasn't us. <laughs> it was, they were suspicious of, they were kept telling us that your employer's lying to you is what they kept saying. We don't think that your employer is being honest. And so I think at the end of the day, we just got a bad border agent and that can kind of be what happens sometimes. If you get somebody yeah. who just decides they don't like you or they, uh, they want to give you a hard time, they can do that. And so we, you know, ended up, because of that, we were stuck for a week. So, you know, there's things like that. Luckily, we made it in. But those are things you don't foresee happening. But there are added hardships that come into play whenever you're going to a new country because you don't know the laws. You don't know mm-hmm. how things work. Um, you know, there's a new medical system. You've got to get your car registered. You know, like just all this stuff that you don't think about. And it all takes longer. Like it takes two to three times as long as it would when you're doing it in a familiar system like your home country. And so even though in Canada people still spoke English, it was a completely different environment. Like even the people were different. Uh, they thought more like Europeans. They moved at a different pace of life. They, you know, Americans are very like determined and, 
you know, go getters and, you know, work hard and provide excellent customer service and, you know, working long, long hours. And Canadians are like much more like, no, spend time, you know, take more days off, spend more time with your family. In the summer times, let's go north to the cottage and we're just going to relax. And, you know, it's just a much more laid back kind of atmosphere where, you know, it's, we're not, you know, making an idol out of work, you know, as much. I mean, uh, different, every culture has their, you know, their issues, but, uh, yeah, it was just hard to get used to that mindset shift, uh, even. And, and then the other big difference obviously is where we were, uh, was similar, less than 2% of the population was evangelical Christians. So there were, um, there were like two other Baptist churches in the city of Oshawa where we were, uh, which our city had about 175,000 people and it was on the East end of Toronto. And, um, one of those Baptist churches was a healthy church and they had a, you know, a smattering of, you know, Pentecostal churches, varying levels of, of health. <laughs> uh, some of them not so great on their theology. Some of them, you know, were fine. And, but I just remember, uh, you know, being really amazed as we walked around and talked to people like you, you almost never met a Christian. Like everybody you talked to, like even people who had church background, you'd quickly discover had very little knowledge of what the gospel actually was, why Christ died, why the resurrection mattered, an understanding of their sin, of their need for repentance and faith in Christ alone. Like there was just none of that. People, you know, there was very biblically illiterate and people just, didn't care. It was so much more secular. Like you can't just, you know, announce that you're starting a church there and put up signs and have visitors walk in. They didn't come. People just don't come to your church. The only time we would have visitors is if we went out and got them. Like what I mean by that is we had to go out and share the gospel and build relationships with people. And then we would, we could invite them, you know, to come to church after that. And then maybe they'd come. Uh, and even still, very few of those people came. And so it was just, I mean, in every sense of the word, completely different. Uh, you had, I felt like you had to scratch and claw for everything. Everything was slower pace. Growth was slower. Everything was smaller. Uh, like the average size church there was 30 people. Um, that was an adjustment in and of itself. So yeah, I mean, just those are, as I was thinking about this question, preparing for this episode, those are some of the things that came to my mind first. What about you? What are some of the biggest differences for you? I mean, I definitely had some fun things on the front end. I mean, I think three weeks from leaving, we were working on getting an assessment for a shipping container to ship a vehicle here and all of the remaining possessions. Because, I mean, we moved from Mississippi to Northern Virginia, Northern Virginia for a church planning residency at Pillar Church of Dumfries um, and to do uh, training through McLean Bible Church's New City Network. Um, and so we didn't we had downsized a significant amount, but three weeks before we left, we realized we couldn't take our car. Um, and it was going to cost like, basically it was going to cost the same to ship a car and stuff to ship stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, my, man, this is going to be so expensive to just ship some things. Yep. And so, uh, we ended up only coming here with bags, you know, just, uh, I think we had five duffel bags when we moved here wow. and we had no place to stay after the month. We had one month to find a place to live permanently and we had no car. Um, and so, yeah, God provided. We ended up getting a car the first day and then the owner of that car, uh, we had a connection with the car owner's daughter-in-law who then contacted us like three weeks later and said, Hey, you know, my father-in-law is moving to France with us. And so there's an apartment that's vacant. Do you want to take the apartment as well? And it's like, yes. And it was exactly in the area we had been praying that God mm. would bless us the same size that we'd been praying. And so it was just like, God was answering prayers, but 
Yeah, culturally, uh, I mean, one thing is they don't speak English as their primary language. Mm -hmm. Now, Icelanders, especially in the greater Reykjavik area, and especially those who are under the age of 50, are very fluent in English. They learn English in school, and there's a there has been significant influence uh, from American culture uh, because of military presence here pretty much from World War II through, like, the early 2000s. Um, and, you know, American media, uh, TV, YouTube, games, and things like that. So uh, you really, you don't have to speak Icelandic, but all the road signs and everything is, you know, it's not uh, standard, it's metric. And so Mm -hmm. just even just that's enough to be disorienting. Um, Yeah, it's interesting when you're driving on the highway and the speed limit sign says 120 and you're like, yeah. that takes some getting well, used to the first yeah, couple months. Yeah, it's like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. Um, they have a lot of roundabouts here. You got to know how to drive around roundabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there were cultural things that definitely were, were different um, and systems were different. So things like immigration, things like taxes. I mean, we missed our taxes. So we we filed our taxes like three months after the fact, after they sent me a piece of paper that said, hey, you uh, you didn't pay your taxes, so you owe us X, X amount. And it was a significant amount. I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to the tax office. I'm like, look, I'm new. No one told me about this. I'm so sorry. Your date is earlier than in America. And I, it's, anyway, uh, so, <laughs> you know, they were kind and we got it all worked out. But yeah, I missed, I missed filing our taxes. Wow. Um, I've never been a part of unions and Iceland is a unionized country. There are unions all over the place. You have to be in a union. And so uh, that's interesting. They have central banking. So you, <laughs> it is not uncommon for someone to come up to you and be like, hey, uh, you know, you bought the pizza. I'm going to send you some money. Give me your social security number and your bank account. <laughs> and I'm serious. People like they ask that. And the first time I was like, I beg your pardon. What do you need? But but that was, you know, a year and a half in, man, I throw my social security number, uh, my Icelandic social security number and my bank account information around like it's my phone number. That's funny. I mean, it's just that's just what you do. Like people just transfer money back and forth. Uh, so you don't write checks. You literally go transfer from account to account. Uh, and so that that was a shock. Um, <laughs> seeing babies in strollers outside of coffee shops. Uh, that was a shock. Without seeing parents? Small without sh- parents next to them? Nope. Nope. They just, the babies were asleep. The coffee shop might be noisy. It's cool outside. And so they just leave them <laughs> in the stroller outside while they're inside hanging out, uh, drinking coffee. Um, small children uh, go, you know, they, they roam around uh, at pretty much age five and above for many hours. I mean, and so even the parenting culture is mm-hmm. different. The way that they, they have kind of, uh, children have more freedom than I yep. think Americans uh, tend to give their kids. Um, and I mean, that that makes sense. I mean, it's a, it, this is really a small country and it's one of the safest places in the world. So they, they don't have to do things the way that Americans do. But as an American, you're just like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then there are other th- cultural things like the way that they think about time is not as, um, you know, punk- like punctuality uh, is not as important here when it comes to social things. So if someone says they'll be somewhere at seven, it, it really means, you know, seven fifteen, seven twenty, mm-hmm. maybe seven thirty. Um, the the frequency of relationships. Uh, I mean. Most everyone who has a best friend sees their best friend maybe once a month or, <laughs> you know, it, it's just it's just a very unique culture. The weather affects a lot of things because yep. they have extreme weather. here. Oh, man. Same with Canada. The long winters were just like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's something that you don't expect, like how much that's going to affect you once you get into March and April. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, Carla, through our first winter here, Carla had, my wife had to have a, uh, 
light therapy lamp for the seasonal affected depression um, Mm -hmm. because it was affecting her. I mean, people have to supplement by taking fish oil and vitamin D. Um, So, I mean, that was that was a unique challenge. Um, And I mean, also, I had kind of seen this. So my wife grew up as a missionary kid in Italy and Italy has a culture that's they're, they're not kind of do like Americans are. They're more be, they're more laid back, more relaxed. Um, I think most island countries and Latin countries are like this. And, you know, I I remember hearing this thing about like holiday, like pretty much businesses and people just take the entire month of August off in Italy. And I was like, this is crazy. Well, they do that in Iceland a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Or some days it will just be because of the day is nice. Like if it's a really nice, sunny, warm day in the summer, people just will not go to work they mm-hmm. will just it's so awesome it's uh you know on really warm sunny days you will see people sun bathing like on their balconies and you will see people uh at parks just laying around the lake and just sitting there and just laying and absorbing the heat and the sun and i mean it's it's a fascinating thing and i mean <laughs> as a, a guy who grew up in you know, central Mississippi, these were just things I was not, you know, expecting. Some of them I wasn't prepared for. Uh, And so, yeah, I've, I've been faced with a lot of cultural differences. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the same, same in Canada there, you know, they had, you know, cottage country in the summer times where people would take large, you know, periods of time off that, you know, there, so there's things like that, that takes some getting used to. Uh, I think a lot of the differences, you know, I think a lot of times when people think about differences, um, you know, doing cross-cultural church planting and missions, they, their first thought goes to like the language, which is definitely part of it. Or, uh, you know, like the, the difference in religious beliefs, you know, and worldviews and things like that, which are, uh, obviously, you know, important and you've got to take those into account, but, uh, there's also tons of, you know, other subtle differences. Like we talked about just, you know, the mindset that people have towards work and towards family and towards, you know, friendships and things like that. So, um, so, Let's talk before, you know, kind of the the last part of this episode, let's talk about, you know, for somebody listening, how do you know if you're called to do international missions and what should somebody consider uh, before they go? Um, I kind of want to just talk about that for a little, uh, a little bit here. Um, and I, I want to, I want to say, I, I think, first of all, uh, that you, you know, You've probably heard somebody say something along these lines, um, but I think that the question that we should ask isn't "Should I go?" but it's "Why shouldn't I go?" Uh, I really do think that's the approach we need to take to international missions uh, and international church planting. The Great Commission is pretty clear: we need to make disciples of all nations. Um, that is a high priority for Jesus. And there are still many, many people groups all around the world that are unreached. And then there are also many, many places like Iceland that wouldn't be considered an unreached people group by the Joshua Project. But the reality is that they are (laughs) because easily less than 2% and probably more like less than 1% of the people there are evangelical Christian. And even a place like Oshawa, Ontario, where I was, I spent four and a half years there. And I can tell you with... 100% confidence that less than 2% of the population there is born again Christian. And it's probably more like one because we did a lot of door to door and street evangelism. And I almost never met a Christian. Um, So, I mean, we talked, I'm talking, we talked to thousands of people. And so we, we walked up to so many strangers and talked to them that, you know, and you just, it became amazing to me how few people have actually ever had the gospel explained to them before. And so there's a need there's a huge need for Christians in America where we have, uh, we're blessed with an abundance of, uh, you know, of good biblical teaching here and resources. And we do have, you know, healthy churches like, yes, I understand there are lots of unhealthy churches out there. There's lots of, lots of, you know, churchianity and, uh, you know, and, and cultural Christianity and things like that. However, the fact remains that I think we're one of the, wealthiest nations when it comes to uh, just the abundance of 
good biblical teaching and healthy churches we have, and we ought to be sending many people. So if you're listening, uh, I think you should on a regular basis be praying, God, are you calling me to go to the nations? Are you calling me to go and plant churches internationally in a place of desperate need? Uh, maybe there's a place that you just haven't been able to shake, like Logan kind of shared earlier with Iceland, you know, ever since he, you know, even something like seeing it on Mighty Ducks too, you know, and like, you know, just something silly like that. God can use that to plant a seed in our minds. Um for me, I was always fascinated by the North and by Canada. And I just kind of always wanted to, to live up there for some reason. And so I was naturally drawn towards it. And I was also all, always naturally drawn towards places where there were few Christians and churches. And so that's ultimately what led us to go. So I think that's my, you know, that's my first thing I would say is like, um, make your default you know, be, I need to find a reason that I shouldn't go. Uh, and there may be good reasons you shouldn't go. Uh, God may have you here and may have called you here in the States for a, a good specific purpose. Uh, but maybe not. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So if, um, if you're listening to this on a pod catch, catcher app of some sort, whether that's you know, something like um, Overcast or Spotify or iTunes. I want to encourage you, so in this vein, to go find the Cross Podcast. So this is a Cross Conference that happens every two years. It's primarily focused at 18 to 25-year-olds who are considering missions, uh, God's call to go and make disciples among all nations. And in February of 2019, they uploaded uh, a message by Zane Pratt. So Zane Pratt is the vice president of training at the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he gave a message on the Psalms called The Beauty of God's Love. And in that message, Zane said that the way that most people think about going is they think that you know, I'm going to stay until God tells me to go. And Zane, I wrote it in my notes. So I'm looking at my notes from I was there in 2019. It actually happened in January, but they uploaded the podcast later. He he wrote, or he, he said, I wrote, flip that. We're supposed to flip that. We're supposed to go unless God tells us to stay. Think about the Great Commission, Matthew mm. 28 18 through 20, in, in verse 19, it's go therefore and make disciples among all nations. And we we know that there's still nations and, and ethne and people groups that do not have the gospel. And so if you are listening to this and you are a Christian, if you you know have been saved by God's grace and you are a Christ follower. I mean, God is a missionary God. And we see this in Genesis where he sought Adam and Eve in their sin and covered them. Um, and, and this was just like this foreshadowing of the, the atoning work of Christ. And, and we see God, you know, seeking representatives, making a nation and, and them being the blessing. But then we see Jesus, you know, coming to seek and save the lost and then sending missionaries and church planters his disciples to, to go and keep doing that work. And I mean, so I, I think every Christian should be praying regularly asking God if, if, you know, if I'm supposed to, you know, am I supposed to go? Like, Mm -hmm. is my yes on the table? I remember when I was a young adult pastor, one of our deacons, we were at a men's retreat and he was in my breakout group. And I, I, I was talking about you know, Iceland. And and I think we had already kind of announced that this was, this was happening. And I was mentioning that like this, this praying about God, my yes is on the table. If you tell me where to go or, you know, I'm, I I will, I will obey. Here I am, send me. And I remember, you know, this guy was a vice president of a bank, um, godly man, godly man, godly husband, godly father. He just in complete transparency, um, or transparency said, I'm afraid to pray that prayer. Mm. He's I'm just, I don't want to pray that prayer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get that, but 
I mean, that is, in my mind, that is so clear in Scripture that we are to go unless God tells us to stay. That's right. And so the clearest way that I think anyone uh, could begin discerning that and figuring that out is to go before the Lord in prayer and just, you know, practically get the Joshua Project app. I mean, they have an app to where they give you a people group every day to pray for. Um, and, you know, go on a mission trip mm-hmm. um, and, and really seek the Lord and, and ask him if he's calling you to go to another context, to, to cross cultures and cross language barriers and uh, and go and seek to be a Christ follower in that context. And I mean, this looks so many different ways. You can go be a college student at a university. You can go and leverage your job uh, in a context where missionaries don't have the ability to go and um, serve as missionaries. You can go and be a part of a church planning team or, you know, look into organizations like the IMB that has journeyman programs uh, as well as, you know, career missionary programs or, you know, at the very least, Pray for missionaries. Mm-hmm. You know, get you find out if your church supports a missionary. Pray for them. Send them notes, um, letters, support packages. Go and volunteer for a cross cultural missions trip. Like I remember, as a relatively brand new Christian, going to Guatemala my first year as a Christian, and then going to Moldova the next year, and returning to Moldova the next year. That I I believe that was very formative in my call. Like that was kind of God's cultivating work was each time that I went to these places and and was interacting with other people. And yeah, I mean, I I shared earlier about just you, you come back and you see all of the gospel work that is happening. America is rich in the gospel, rich with resources. And yeah, there are areas where there, there needs to be church plants going and and I praise God for North American mission board and the network. Um, Focusing on certain cities and things like that, but I mean there are, but the pri- just you know countless. One of the primary things that church plants need to be doing in North America is we need healthy churches planted who are seeking to cultivate a renewed emphasis in sending missionaries globally. Because the reality remains, yes, you know we have a need for more churches to be planted in America, but the need globally is you know far surpasses anything uh, here domestically. Uh, if we're just being quite honest, there are uh, we've got there's a far greater need than we have laborers to that are willing laborers to supply it. We've got the laborers, but it's the, but it's a question of, are they willing? There's plenty of people who are more than capable, who've got the theological knowledge, but is there a willingness uh, to obey? And I agree. I think we've got to regularly be praying that prayer and going, God, uh, are you calling me to go? And it's, you know, we were, we were, you and I were talking last week, you know, and I've told you, it's something that, you know, I continue to regularly pray, you know, like we've gone once and we've come back because, you know, for those of you who aren't aware, like one of the reasons we came back is that my wife and I desired to start a family and uh, we aren't able to have children of our own uh, to this point. And so we're adopting and we needed to come back to the States uh, to be able to do that. Uh, but, uh, that does not preclude us from going back internationally because at the end of the day, like we've got, God's given us, you know, one life with it, with which to serve him. And you just think about like what really matters at the end of the day, like what's, you know, what's going to last and what I want to invest in. And, and there are, there are so many people out there, so many people groups, uh, that have little to no access to the gospel. And it's kind of hard to, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, do I really have a good reason to not go? And if I don't, then am I actually being a good steward of the of what God's given me? We think about the parable of the parable of the talents. You know, if I'm not willing to, you know, to be uncomfortable and to lay down my own dream that I have for my life and to go, uh, let's be honest, man. Like, I wasn't planning on exactly going here with this episode, but um, there is a part of me and my wife that you know, what, what we, our hearts long for 
would be to settle down somewhere in the suburbs or maybe even preferably in the country where we can have a couple of acres, we can raise our kids, you know, continue to be involved in missions. I'll continue to preach the gospel. I'll continue to raise up and send out church planters, do good missions work, but we've got a, you know, a good house, you know, on a couple of acres, comfortable home, you know, continuing to live in America and, and that's none of that's like bad, you know, but, but I'll be honest, like that sounds very appealing to me. And it's, I long for that rest because even right now, you know, like we live in this city. I'm not ex- necessarily like a city boy, you know, it's not really my thing. Um, I, you know, the craziness and the hustle and bustle of the lifestyle, like I, I prefer probably a little bit slower of a pace and a little bit more space. Um, but we're here because this is where God called us and there's a lot of people here and there's a lot of lost people here. Um, but you know, we've, we've, we've had conversations about, boy, wouldn't it be nice? You know, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, we could find, you know, kind of the perfect little spot, you know, to kind of be near people, but also have enough space. And I'll be honest with you, man. You know, I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, you know, Jen, what if, what if that longing in us to, to have, to, that to have that house on a couple of acres and to have our kids, you know, and all that. What if that's really just a reflection of our longing for, for heaven, you know, and that mm-hmm. that's that longing's not meant to be filled here, this side of eternity. And I almost get choked up thinking about it because, you know, at the end of the day, like it's a, it's a, you know, Christ has called us to lay our lives down, you know, and like as much as I, as much as I long for that, I long, I long to know Jesus more and I long to make him known more. And if he calls us to lay that down and we don't get to have, you know, that, you know, that life that we, you know, that we would have desired to have, uh, on this side of eternity, that's okay. Because Jesus said that, you know, anyone who's left house or land or mother or father or brother or sister, or anything for my sake will receive a hundredfold now, uh, both now and then in eternity. And I believe that promise. And I believe that yeah. promise is true, not just for me, but for anybody listening. So, you know, well, that, yeah, I want to share something. Yeah. So yesterday, my wife and I are going through Paul David Tripp's New Morning Mercies um, daily devotional together. And so yesterday we were reading and this is it's just pertinent. So I'm going to read it. So this is Paul David Tripp from his devotional. He says, um, no, walking with Jesus is not the grand vacation a life free of responsibility and trial. Walking with Jesus is not like that because our right here, right now life with him is not a destination as a vacation would be. He is not vacation planner Jesus. He is our sovereign savior king. Mm -hmm. Thus, this present life is meant by God to be a time of preparation for the final glorious destination that will be our eternal home. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's um you know I'll I'll wrap it up by by saying this. When as you consider you know what should you consider before you go? Um you know, how do you know if you're called to do international missions? I think you need to consider uh, are you prepared for long slow work? Are you willing to learn from other local leaders on the ground to humble yourself and realize that you just probably need to forget a lot of what you thought you knew about ministry before you go uh, and plant churches internationally. Um, boy, pride and arrogance will will kill the work before it even starts, especially mm-hmm. when you cross cultures. Uh, and then, um, you know, are you are you prepared for obscurity? You know, and we've talked about this in previous episodes that I think. I think one of the reasons, one of the things that actually that doesn't get talked about a lot that holds people back from going internationally is that um, you are basically leaving behind the possibility of becoming well-known, of becoming successful, uh, you know, the successful pastor who's, because there's a lot of 
con- you know potential consumers here in America who will listen to you, who could potentially listen to your sermons and you know read your books and all this stuff, right? And there's a big pull for that. I think for a lot of people in ministry that we almost you know we will conceal it behind. Oh, we wouldn't want to reach lots of people for Jesus. But if we're honest, we kind of ha- can have some mixed motives sometimes. There, that's genuine. Yeah, we re- we really want to reach people for Jesus, but we also kind of love it if God gave us a huge platform. And, you know, we had, you know, a couple thousand people listening to us preach on Sundays. And the reality is if you go to a place like Iceland, you go to a place like Oshawa, Ontario, you go to a place like the Middle East, you're not going to have that. You can just go ahead and just like forget that now because you're going to, you know, like have like 30 sheep showing up on a Sunday morning. But man... They're going to love Jesus. They're going to want to grow. You're going to see God work in their life. You're going to be doing things that don't seem significant in the eyes of the world, but in the kingdom of God, it's it's causing the earth to shake. Like God, like literally it's like leaven permeating the entire lump of dough that's going to have an impact that is imperceptible to the untrained kingdom eye, but man, in the kingdom of God, it's massive. And like, I think about the work that you're doing in Iceland right now, like, like, the the you know the secular Icelander walking around doesn't know who you are and isn't aware of what God is doing, what's going on. But the reality is, is that there's massive things going on right now through the work that you and Carla are doing, even in its early stages. And so, but you've got to like it's just another thing you got to die to if you're going to go and plant churches or internationally and be a missionary internationally. You got to desire to this die to this desire to be well known. Um, you're gonna. Yeah, we've got technology that can help you stay connected better now. I mean, it used to be back in the day, like, you know, like Hudson Taylor going to China. Like, I mean, if you want to go visit home, you know, from China to England in the 1800s, that's going to take you a few months by boat. Mm -hmm. If you want to send a letter, it's going to take a few months. Like you just, you kind of get forgotten. And it's even still a little bit like that now. I mean, you and I, you know, I remember that even in the military, right? When I was deployed, you know, you kind of feel like you... You know, like people forget about you, and and so there's just so many of those things you don't think about. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, well, and uh, go ahead, go ahead, and then we'll wrap it up. Just yeah, real. Just so this is a podcast for everyday ministry leaders, and so one of the things that I want to encourage you, brother, pastor, or you know, church leader, whatever. Whatever you're doing, whatever your plan, I want to encourage you to offer it up to God as a sacrifice. Mm. Now, that's not saying that you're committing to missions, because I don't believe everyone is necessarily called to it, but it is at least putting your yes on the table. It's, it's saying, Lord, you know, here I am, send me, and, and if God chooses not to send you, then you give yourself to the other, which is be a good sender. Be a person who loves and prays for missionaries. Be a person who loves and prays for unreached people groups. Um, And especially if you're a pastor um, of, of a church of any size, I really want to encourage you to support not only just missionaries, but missionaries who have a desire to see healthy churches planted in their context. Amen. Um, and I want to encourage you to be willing to not only pray for them, but to give towards their work and call your people to consider going. Amen. Be willing to send your best people mm-hmm. to missionaries your church supports financially and with t- strategic partnerships and teams. Um, you know, be calling the the person that you're thinking of right now would be an awesome number two, like a, a great youth pastor or a great associate pastor, or a ministry leader, or you know, seminarian. What if? you call that person to consider going and giving two years of their life as a journeyman or to leverage, you know, your awesome volunteer leader to say, hey, have you thought about doing this in a context where there are not a lot of Christians? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's really just being willing, being willing personally and corporately to sacrifice so that the gospel goes to places where it is not yet gone or has not yet gone or is not yet fully taken root to to send laborers into the field and that just costs but 
I think we're we're supposed to count the cost. And, you know, we understand just as Paul commends the Philippian church in Philippians with their support and saying, like, any fruit that comes from this is going to be credited to you. Um, even if you're not called to go, you can still be a part of the work in your sending and supporting. That's right. Logan, in 60 seconds or less, tell us briefly about the Iceland Project and how people can learn more about it. So the Iceland Project exists um, to see gospel-centered, healthy churches planted in Iceland. It primarily works as a resource um, for missionaries on the ground uh, and church plants on the ground. And so uh, you can give to the Iceland Project and that um, can either be designated to a missionary that's on the ground or missionaries who are seeking to get into the country or just the general fund, which is used at the discretion of the leaders of the project. Um, and if you're interested in partnering with the churches um, in Iceland or even maybe you're thinking about becoming a missionary or a resident or an intern, um, you know, the Iceland Project is really kind of the American arm to support the work here in Iceland. Amen. And what's the website? It is www.theicelandproject.org. Awesome. We'll have a link to that uh, in the show notes and on our website as well so that you can learn more about it if you would like. Um, we want to thank our listeners for uh, tuning in to another episode of In the Trenches. Uh, if you'd like to go and listen to past episodes, you can always do that at our website, getinthetrenches.com. We've also uh, got a couple of blog posts coming out each week. Uh, and so you can go and check out those blog posts there. There's a link to resources. And if you've got a question, or a comment or anything like that for Logan and I, uh, you can submit it there at the website uh, or you can always shoot us an email. Our email addresses are in uh, the show notes as well. Um, and make sure you go subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so yet. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, lots of different platforms and leave us a five-star review. Uh, the reason we ask you to do that is because uh, the more reviews that get left and the more subscriptions we get, uh, the more when people search for church planting podcasts, uh, the higher up on the list will be. And so if you think this is a good, helpful, edifying podcast, uh, and you want to help get it in the hands of more uh, pastors and ministry leaders and church planters, then that's probably one of the best ways that you could help us do that. So we'd be honored if you would help us with that. Uh, we're going to be back next Monday with another episode of In the Trenches. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, pastors and church planters. <laughs>